I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. You ever notice when we talk about a celebrity, we, we usually have like a category or a, you know, a, uh, what would you call it, like a descriptor, a title, you know, mm-hmm. and and there's certain people that are just category busters. Yeah. And I think Tina Turner is is that kind of, of you know, figure, I mean... There's the Tina Turner category. If you're going to have to have a category, there's just no one. There's never been anyone, especially a woman, with this magnitude uh, and this longevity and this, you know, reach and so many firsts. Right? Yeah, I, I think that as a vocalist, I mean, she's second to none. I mean, arguably the most unique I've ever heard. She goes all the way back for me. Now, this is my lifetime. She was the Acid Queen in Tommy. Mm. That was my yeah. introduction to Tina Turner yeah. in about 1975. Barely remember yeah. seeing that movie the first time, but and then you grow up in the 80s and you've got. She, she'd only even... been around for 20 years at that. I know, <laughs> she was already a legend. But <laughs> but even in my lifetime, I mean, she, her biggest solo stuff was the the yeah. 80s on a commercial level, and uh, I was just it, today was one of those. That's one of those pieces of news that just yes. hits you right in the gut. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, and I started listening to you know, some of the hooks to put in the newscast, and boy, what a loss, Jack! What a loss. Yeah. Speaking of that '80s comeback, which is what everybody will talk about today, uh, regarding Tina Turner, who passed away in Switzerland at the age of 83. Um, there's a really uh, a fascinating backstory to that album. The album that that was her comeback was called Private Dancer, and it was mm-hmm. released in uh, the spread about this time of year in 1984. I think it was May, in fact. But anyway, she had, uh, in the early 80s, she had started to come to light again. People like Rod Stewart and Mick Jagger became fans of hers. They wanted to perform with her. They, these were huge stars reaching out to someone who was not a star anymore and saying, you know, just please come sing with me. And, and in fact, she opened uh, for the Stones on their... Uh, U.S. tour in, I think, 81, 82. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a, a kind of a minor hit with uh, a cover of the Al Green song, Let's Stay Together. That would that would have been like probably early to mid-1983. And um, at that point, Capitol Records thought, you know, there might be something here. <laughs> We're going to have you do a solo album. She had 10 days, Christian to get the songs, get the musicians, get in the studio. You know how albums, especially, you know, landmark albums are produced. The, the, a band could take a year. Especially back then. To do an album and, you know, and maybe work on it on and off and, and so forth. Ten days to put it together. Because they were they were not really, you know, they didn't know. They just thought, well, maybe there's a little something to exploit here. They weren't thinking this will be one of the all-time, you know, multi-platinum. I think it was like five or six or seven times platinum. Yeah. Uh, spawned all those hits that, that brought her back. Um, uh, you know, What's Love Got to Do With It and uh, Private Dancer and uh, uh, Better Be Good to Me. And, and we're all on that album. But 10 days. And then that got her into the, the Mad Max yeah. Beyond Thunderdome. Yes. I mean, yeah. she was yeah. just, she was so mainstream uh, at that time. And even being a kid as I was, I, I kind of knew what she had done before, but mm-hmm. uh, what a what a career! You know, like you said, the yeah. the beginning and then the 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 drop off. I know she went through a lot with Ike. 
yeah. and then got back on her saddle. And I just think the music gods found a way of really rewarding her and, and all of us at the same time. Well said. Thank you. We'll be talking about her on and off uh, this afternoon. Uh, you know, not just because she was famous, but because it's an incredible story of resilience and coming back and people know you know some of the stuff with ike but there's even more to tell and we'll get into all of that as we go along here this afternoon and you'll hear some of the greatest uh, tina turner music ever uh, on and off throughout our show um also today is the one year anniversary of uvalde now we I, i vividly remember a year ago and i'll just tell you this quick inside story we a year ago today at KTSA, our company, the corporation that owns us, and they own radio stations all over the country, was having their their big meeting, and they had it here. They're not headquartered here. They're headquartered in the Pacific Northwest, but they had the meeting here. And, and it, it meant that everybody in management was in that meeting at one end of the building. And the Uvalde story broke early afternoon, I want to say right after lunchtime, and we didn't know the, the specifics, and people were hopeful in the early going that it wouldn't be too bad. I say that, I know that sounds crazy, but, but in, the, in the early sketchy details, they were saying there might be a couple of injuries. Two people had been transported to the hospital in San Antonio. We were, we were hoping and praying that those two were the only two. We now know, of course, differently. Uh, but it was really uh, chaotic because we had to... <laughs> You know, if you've ever been in a meeting at work, I mean, it's you can't disrupt the meeting. You can't break up the meeting. We had all we could do to pry people out of that meeting and, and tell them, hey, we, 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 we got we to gotta get on this. And we, and we were able to, and, and the news coverage was phenomenal. And our, uh, our news director, uh, Dennis Foley, and our executive producer, Elaine Rodriguez, and Don Cooper, the technical producer for this show, and everybody did an amazing uh, job telling a really hard story to tell. Um, I hear a lot of people say on this anniversary of Uvalde, never forget. I, I, I understand that slogan, but a lot of the people saying it uh, forgot right away. I mean, let's be honest here, okay? If you're saying never forget, I would assume you mean never forget those little boys and girls. Never forget their smiles and their favorite milkshakes, and uh, their stuffed animals, and the games they like to play, and the grades they were so proud of. But what we did as a country was we went right into a scream fest about guns and politics and which party's fault it was. So maybe on this one-year anniversary, there could be some time for those children. I mean, I know their families remember them. I know people in Uvalde will never forget them. I know there's murals all over that town. And then I was thinking today about, remember the, the vivid, I mean, I don't have to say remember, I know you do. Re remember the vivid imagery and the stories of the parents rolling up to the school and trying to get into the school and being confronted by the police in some cases restrained by the police, and they wanted to get to the windows. They wanted to break the windows. They wanted to run to their children. And I think about those parents today, and I think they didn't, their first impulse was to protect their children. 
Their first impulse was not to make a speech. Their first impulse was not to go to a gun show or gun store or gun manufacturer. Their first impulse was not to um, craft a bill. If we say we care about these children and we care about our children, then our first instinct, job one, should be protecting them wherever they are. Just as we do when they're in our keep, when they're in our home, when they're in our car, when you have to make a panic stop in the car. Every mom and dad does this. You reach over with your right hand and you, you, you instinctively hold back. Even though they've got a, a seatbelt on, you hold back your kid in the front seat. Everybody does it. Their first impulse was, should be our first impulse. This issue of shooting, sco- shooting up schools should be met with the challenge of how do you protect kids in school, not how do you go and get people's guns, not how do you reinterpret the Second Amendment, not how do you run for office. We should be like those parents. That should be how we remember them, I think. We'll talk about that today, 210-599-5555. And I think he uh, picked a bad day (laughs) to uh, launch his run for president in light of all the other news that's breaking out. But uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is officially now a uh, presidential candidate. We're going to talk about that and how you feel about that. I I will tell you, I think of all the people that are running on the Republican side. In fact, I'll, I'll say it more unlimitedly. Of all the people running for president, Ron DeSantis is the one who I am most confident will be running again in 2028. I'm not saying that he's only doing this to get his feet wet or get some exposure or build a network, but I I, I just, I, I think however this winds up, whether it's Trump and he loses to Trump or somebody else surprises us uh, or, or, or even perhaps the DeSantis himself wins this nomination. Um, of all the people in this race, I think he'll be in the race in in four years' time. Uh, he's a young guy, and um, you think about how old Biden and Trump are, and and he's you know more than thirty years younger uh, than they are. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, what his decision means and how people are reacting to it. I'd like to hear how you feel about it. I know a lot of people that, uh, you know, like him and like Trump. And some people like him a little more and Trump a little less or like Trump more and him less. But I I, I find it interesting. I, I meet people all the time that like them both very, very much. And yet Trump can't stand him and is eviscerating him. And the media are, of course, covering it that way, but just logically, it it makes sense to me that there are a lot of people who think both of them have attributes and both of them would do a lot of the same things and are tough enough to do a lot of the same things. So we'll talk about that.
That was the uh, biggest hit that Ike and Tina together had. Uh, 1971, Proud Mary covered the CCR song. In fact, they had a lot of hits with covers. Mentioned uh, when she covered Let's Stay Together by Al Green, but they covered uh, stuff by Otis Redding and Sly and the Family Stone and many others. And I, I personally think that a lot of the songs Tina Turner covered, uh, she sang them better than the original artist did. So anyway, we'll be remembering her. She's gone at the age of 83, the iconic Queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner. 210-599-5555. Jack Riccardi live right now on 550 and 1071 KTSA. You can also get this show as an on-demand podcast. Find our podcasts at KTSA.com or look for the Jack Riccardi Show anywhere you like to get your other podcasts. Uh, That's a big story today. Uh, Ron DeSantis is running for president officially. He's going to do a Twitter talk with Elon Musk uh, to... uh, by the way, there's been some misunderstanding about that. That's not Elon Musk endorsing him. They call it uh, they call it Twitter Space or Twitter Talk or something like that. Twitter Spaces, I think. So anyway, that's uh, just sort of like the venue uh, in which he's uh, making the announcement. What do you think about Ron DeSantis? Am I right that there are there are a lot of people that like him and Trump and don't feel the need to? Uh, it's not like an either-or thing. I mean, you may feel strongly, well, I really want it to be Trump this time and DeSantis later, or you may feel like, hey, you know, I liked Trump, but I think it's DeSantis' time, we need to go with him. But what I'm saying is, I think there's a false narrative that you can only love or support one of them. And didn't we always know with Trump, let's just say as a for instance, let's say he did win re-election in 2020. Um, at this point, his presidency would be winding down. And uh, because you get two terms. And so y- y- we always knew that the work he did and the stuff that he injected into the Republican Party's bloodstream that finally gave them some backbone. There would need to be people to pick and carry up that, you know, pick up that torch and and run with it. It, w- it just couldn't be him forever. And um, I, I guess I I think to myself, well, you want people that are uh, young and smart and tough and um, and seem to get the 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 DNA of this stuff. I think DeSantis is one of those people. May not be the only one. I think he's one of them. 210-599-5555. I can tell you who's really afraid of him, and that's the Democratic media. Because if you look at the way they react to him, it's hysteria. They, they can't figure out which smear to start with first. Is he Hitler? Is he a uh, homophobe? Is he uh, a crook? Is he, I mean, it's like they're they're just throwing everything. He's He's MAGA. He's, you know... He's the enemy of Trump, but he's MAGA. I mean, they just it's just all over the place. And um, it, it, my, my kind of working theory about the way they look at the Republican field is I think they look at the Republican field as, a, um, as Trump being maybe the easiest person to beat. You know, I think they believe Trump would be the easiest person to beat. Uh, therefore... Uh, they're really worried about DeSantis. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that's what I think the Democratic media uh, believes. 
Uh, there's a story today that uh, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin is considering running for president. He had said he wasn't going to, but in Virginia, they only get to serve one term as governor, and his term is up this year. So um, he's obviously going to be free to do it, and we'll see if he does. Uh, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Stephanie is on the radio. Stephanie, good afternoon. Stephanie, good afternoon. Hi. Um, Yeah, I was going to say I like Trump's policy, um, but I can also understand why a lot of people don't like him. I guess it's his personality. And I feel that a lot of people would vote against him no matter, you know, and vote for the other person, the Democrat, Mm -hmm. just not to vote for Trump. And Mm -hmm. so I like DeSantis, not only his policies, but also his personality. So I kind of think mm-hmm. if a Republican's going to get in the office, that it it's more likely going to be DeSantis because mm-hmm. there's people that just cannot stand Trump, regardless of his policy, regardless how good he is for the country, they can't stand him. So mm-hmm. um, I think DeSantis is going to be a good option. I feel like with Trump, there were people who couldn't admit that it was aesthetic, that you know, it wasn't that he had done something they didn't see the logic of. They just did not like him. They did not like the way he talked. They did not like his rough edges. But they couldn't admit it, so they had to make it sound like, oh, he's worse than Hitler. Yeah, that, you're correct. You're not going to change those people's minds. No one is. Yeah, so but if, they're, if, that's, have... if that's real, if we're right, if you and I are right about that, then a person with basically the same positions minus that personality might you know, might carry some of those votes. I agree. Yeah. That's what okay. I think. Stephanie, thank you. Appreciate having you on the show today. We'll get to more of these coming up. 210-599-5555. It's Tina Turner, we lost her today at the age of 83. I, I believe I heard one time that she was the first woman artist ever to be on the cover of Rolling Stone and, and also the first black artist ever to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. That's, that's astonishing if that's true, and I think it is. She uh, was twice inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and of course, numerous awards, honors. She was living in Zurich when she passed away today at 83. We'll uh, hear more of her music, talk more about her as we go along. 210-599-5555. I posted this on Facebook because you you really have to see this. I can't describe it or do it justice, but uh, this is from uh, a blog called Powerline. It's a weekly sales chart of U.S., the leading U.S. beer brands. And... It, it, it is just devastating for Bud Light. But what it shows is that almost proportionately to their loss of market share, Coors Light and Miller Light, pretty much neck and neck, uh, rose by almost the same proportion. In fact, I read another article today, not this blog, but that said 
Coors Light and Miller Light are freaking out because they can, they are running out of uh, beer ingredients capacity because all of a sudden there's there's unforeseen demand uh, for these brands. It's, it's not often that a boycott really works. I've often thought that boycotts got more news coverage than traction, like they're talked about more than they're participated in. But the the Bud Light one really has proven to be a long-lived, I mean, we're, we're almost into June. This started in April. Uh, this is a, a, a real deal. People aren't, you know, fooling around uh, kind of thing. And it makes the story we had yesterday about Target so interesting. If you've not heard about what's going on with uh, Target stores and their LGBT pride merchandise, I'll tell you that story here coming up. Uh, 210-599-5555. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, officially a candidate. We've been talking about that. Lee is calling in about that on the Jack Riccardi Show. Lee, good afternoon. Yeah, hi. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I don't feel like we can fix these problems in four years. We need 12. I would like in the primary that Trump and DeSantis don't cut each other up and have hard feelings. And DeSantis is his, his vice president. And that will tell in our foreign relations, we don't have a four-year president here that goes away. We don't have to listen to them. It might be they'll be looking at possible 12 years of the same kind of thing. Because we can't fix all these problems in, tw- in four years. And not only that, Trump, yeah. the foreign relations will already know that he is only four years and not eight. Mm-hmm. And so I right. think I would love that they don't cut each other up. And in our primary for senators and congressmen, we get rid of the rhinos, and maybe we can start fixing things. Lee, I, I like everything you're saying, but, I mean, you you know they're already cutting each other up. Yeah, but possibly. I mean, do you, do you believe that the they are, is, do you think that may be just like shadow boxing and they'll make up? Or, no. I, I no, mean, it sounds, I, like, it sounds I, like Trump hates I him. I'm, I think I'm wishful thinking. But yeah, I mean, I, I think when Trump hates you, I don't think there's any coming back from that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can get on his good side again, right? Yeah. But I mean, what you're saying yeah, makes no, it's I logical sense. You. If we were if we were planning this out, we would we would plan it your way. But I just I don't think events are going to take that turn. You know. Well, the vice president that Trump, if Trump wins the primary and the vice president he picks, it's going to be the most important. Mm-hmm. First step, because but, but Lee, I, we know Donald Trump. Trump. He won't pick somebody. He won't pick somebody that he feels is a competitor or a successor. You, okay. you, you, if we know anything about Donald Trump, it's that he would never share the the glory or the spotlight. I mean, that's that's not that isn't going to happen. Okay, <laughs> you're right. I'm not trying to. I don't mean. To, I'm not trying to be mean on you, Lee. I mean, you're, you're, what no, you're no, saying no, is logical. No. You're you're a smart guy. It's just that politics doesn't follow smart. You know. Uh, just choices. They don't. They don't make. They don't make smart, rational choices. They go on emotion. And uh, he, just, Trump, is just a guy that likes to have the, you know, all the, the spotlight. That's why I picked Mike Pence, a guy that that practically blends into the wallpaper. Um, and I think he, I don't know who he'll pick this time, but I, I would think it would probably not be. Uh, I don't think it'll be somebody that we would think of as the the eight years after Trump's four. Even though that makes sense, I I agree with that. Uh, Suzanne is on the Jack Riccardi show on KTSA. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. In regards to DeSantis, um, DeSantis, he's good. 
he is good, but he's he's not strong enough to bring us back from the mess that Biden's put us in. And I think he makes some rookie mistakes. Um, I think that, you know, with him, he, um, you know, like his whole thing with Disney, I mean, he thought that match was over and he kind of, you know, put things away and stuff. But I just, I don't, I, I, I think him and Trump would make a great team. But, you know, I think that DeSantis is going to go after Trump with the last, you know, things that have been brought up before. And I think, you know, he's just not ready for that. He's kind of going off of what he's done, mm. you know, highlighting the the state of Florida being the fastest growing state and everything. But what, what when you say when you, Suzanne, when you say he's not, I'm sorry, when you say he's not ready, um, I mean we, we've had people run for and be elected to president with less time in office than DeSantis has had. What, how is he not ready? Well, to me, I don't think he is ready to take on the problems that we have now you know so he just isn't the right kind of guy is that what you're saying he just isn't the right he isn't the this, presidential timber yeah okay. not for right now like, you know and the, at another okay. time maybe a couple of years back yes but we need some not, you know, not anymore something huge well then let me ask you this suzanne um because the most you can get from trump is four years that's it it's over then what? If we if do we have anybody else besides Trump? I think if Trump and uh, DeSantis went on, you know, Trump president, DeSantis vice president, we'd have the next twelve years solid because we would have Trump for four, DeSantis take over, and then we'd get him for another, and that would clean us up. That would be great. Mm. But I don't. So think then, that, then, I mean, then serving with Trump would make DeSantis more presidential, whereas right now you don't think he is? Because you're, now you're saying you do want him to be president in the future. Yes, in the future, yes. Okay. But bring us back from okay. this slump, but not now. we need Trump. Okay. We need him right gotcha. now. We need okay. somebody who's that strong and going to go at it like a vengeance. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's my opinion, okay. I really think. But All right. Like Thank you, Suzanne. Appreciate it. For him. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Oh, you will. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a little confused. <laughs> you know, though, I got to say this. I'm going to say this, and I let the record flag the tape, as we used to say, Don Cooper. Our listeners may be right. They, uh, every caller believes it's going to be a Trump-DeSantis ticket, or it should be one. I, I have said this a million times. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go down with the ship. There's no way in hell those two will be on the ticket together. That is not happening. Not happening. And I'm not even saying it from the standpoint of, well, he said mean things, because look at Biden and Harris. I mean, Harris pretty much dressed up Joe Biden in a KKK outfit in the primary debates and was, like, you know, vicious. But that was a a marriage of, uh, that was an arranged marriage of convenience. So I know that that can happen, and it's happened many other times. I don't think that, Trump, that uh, Trump would want on his ticket as big a star as DeSantis is. And I, I, my hunch about DeSantis is that he recognizes what our earlier caller, I think one of the first calls we took, said that he, his appeal is to people that like the policies but not the aesthetic of Trump. Well, if that's true, then you can't join a ticket with Trump. Like you have to, 
have to make sure people get that you're your own man and you are in your own lane and um, a lot of the policies are the same and you've got the same attitude toward the media. They suck and they're, and they're you know, phonies, but, but you're doing it your own way. And uh, so I, just don't, I don't think that ticket's going to happen, but I've got to defer to the wisdom. It's, it's rare that our, every caller says it and then it doesn't happen. So you, you guys are all saying... That's that's the ticket, and maybe you're right. And I hope we'll remember that. Well, we will remember that if it happens, right? Jack Riccardi Show, and we're live here Monday through Friday from 4 to 7. You can jump into the show at 210-599-5555. Uh, it wasn't long ago that the CEO of Target was uh, talking everywhere in interviews and so forth about how it was really good business to be on the cutting edge uh, with uh, the transgender uh what Dave Chappelle calls the alphabet people, you know, the LGBTQ. He says, he says the people that took 20% of the alphabet for themselves. Uh, that same CEO uh, who said it was the right thing for society was on a uh, conference call um, as they are panicking, especially here in the South, about Target having very prominent displays of um, basically uh, <laughs> just unexpected kinds of uh, products, basically a trans clothing line for children, okay? And um, this guy was saying, they asked him about Bud Light a while back, uh, and the whole thing with, uh, you know, woke capitalism. And he said, oh, I just think those are good business decisions. It's the right thing for society. You need to do great things for your brand. But now tuck-friendly bathing suits for kids, uh, as people go into Target to get, you know, milk and eggs and detergent, doesn't seem like such a good idea. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um just like with the Los Angeles Dodgers story that we talked about yesterday, you'll see these companies flip-flop back and forth on these decisions. So when they, first they had the displays, and yeah, we have tuck-friendly underwear for little boys and girls, and we have uh, rainbow onesies, and the, they worked with this company ca called Abralin or Abralin or something, I never heard of it, but apparently the, the designer is a Satanist, which, I mean... How many Satanists are there that you, you couldn't find somebody to design for Target who wasn't a Satanist? So anyway, uh, you've got a Satanist designing uh, clothing for mutilated and sterilized children in Target, and now they're, pu they're pulling down the displays and moving it to the back of the store. But they'll flip-flop, is my point. They'll, they'll, then they'll get heat from the alphabet people, and then they'll be called cowards by the people on MSNBC that have no skin in the game anyway. 
And then they'll probably put it back up again. And this will keep happening because, as we talked about yesterday, these, you know, a company's not a person. So a company doesn't have a soul or a core. Like a person might not either, but at least people sometimes have convictions and this is what I've always believed and this is where my heart and my soul are. These companies are lost. They don't have leaders. They don't have strength at the top. They have they have weakness. They have wind socks as CEOs. And they'll go back and forth. They'll get scared by the, the graph I, I put up on Facebook about Bud Light. And then they'll get scared by the possibility that uh, trans people will, will stage a demonstration in front of the store and it will look bad. And it's going to be a mess for a long time. There's no question about it. Uh, 210 599 Coming up uh, is the Speaker of the Texas House drunk ken paxton thinks the speaker of the house is drunk and he needs to resign we'll let you decide i'll play you what they're talking about but right here let me get to victor on ktsa victor good afternoon hey jack uh no i think ron DeSantis is going to be a solid uh i i know he's going to win i mean he's a combat navy veteran just like jfk um he's a devout catholic uh, we know that he's been married so long. He he goes by the church. Um, he's a lat Latino. He's Italian. I mean, he has every check mark there is for a conservative. Yeah, I mean, I I I think I think a lot of people see that, and I don't think the smears will work for them. Um, but you know how it is, Victor. There's people that find out for themselves, and then there's people that that just believe anything they hear. You know, I think we lost Victor. Victor, thanks for the call. Uh, appreciate your point. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um, here's an email from, uh, let's see, Tim, writing to jack at ktsa.com. Don, if you can disconnect the lines for me, thank you. You know what, we'll just, uh, let's just, We'll work on this phone thing a little bit here. We're having some issues. Uh, this email from Tim, he says, uh, I'm a 12-year active duty intelligence officer. I've been following Ron DeSantis since COVID. He has, without a doubt and without exception, demonstrated his conviction and capacity to lead this country. Um, no matter what anyone tries to smear him with, I will fund him and vote for him. Tim says he's one of the most effective leaders in this country since Ronald Reagan. Uh, says people should read uh, DeSantis's book if they're interested in more. Yeah, I, I mean, I just all, my point is simply that I I don't think people have to be for only one or the other. And, and by the way, this is always true. So when there's a bunch of people running for your party's nomination, you can like more than one of them. You can say there's two, three, four, five of them that are all fantastic, and I would vote for anyone. The the media want this to be two guys, death cage, death match, you know, last man standing. And, and they want that because no matter who that is, if it was really mano a mano, they'd be all bloodied and cut to ribbons. And then Biden can go to Wilmington and stay there for the entire duration of the general election. But I, I just don't think it's going to work out that way. Um, and in fact, I think that uh, we're in for some surprises. You're in for some surprise poll numbers. You're in for some su- surprise uh, entrances into this race. I don't think the field is complete. 
I apologize for the dog going a little bit crazy there a few minutes ago. I uh, we're in the middle of taking calls. And I guess somebody knocked at the door. And uh, that's the thing about dogs, Christian. You know, they they love us, right? They're totally mm-hmm. loyal, man's best friend. Yep. She just gets a little too excited at the possibility that someone else might be coming over. You know, one of like, these days... Apparently, I'm not enough. Like... <laughs> Well, you're not. I, I'm here, but boy, the the it, whatever possibility it could be anybody. You know, mm-hmm. it could be the it could be the Idaho you know quad killer. I mean, the possibility that somebody else might be coming over. It's like bring it on, Jack. You're like the news. If you're already there, See? it's kind of yeah. boring. It's what's That's now, it. what's next. That's it. That's yeah. how it is. So. It is. It's a little scary how fast you remember. We all remember like when we got our dog. Like maybe you had him as a puppy, or you got him from the dog pound, and we all have these heartwarming stories about when you bonded and you knew right away, and they came up and they rubbed against your leg. But the flip side of that is, they're awfully quick to become your like. They make friends awfully fast, and the thing about that is that means you can lose them. Just got really fast a, too. Just got to hold a piece of sausage, I'm, or, or or someone else does. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm saying you can have a you know, an axe murderer at the front door, but boy, if he has a if he has a snossage, he's he's coming in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I want to play this for you and see what you think. Um, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton this week says the House Speaker, a guy named Dade Phelan, should resign. Because he was drunk while presiding over the house. I, frankly, I feel like these people have been drunk for a long time. I, you know, it seems to me like there must be a lot of drinking going on. He says that he should be investigated, and if he was drunk, he should resign. Uh, they're not that they hate each other anyway. Just so you know, that they're not allies or friends. He's not saying this with regret. They're both Republicans, but but Paxton and Phelan hate each other. And, and and so let me play for you. This was Friday night. The House of Representatives is in its final couple of days in session. The thing is almost over, so they had a late-night session on Friday. This is what Speaker Dade Phelan sounded like. Cut number seven. The Speaker, I'll move adoption. Mr. Campbell, send out a amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? The chair has done. amendment is adopted. The chair recognizes Ms. Niave Criado to speak in opposition to the bill. Hmm. What do you think? Um, first of all, I don't want to make any jokes about somebody. If somebody's having like a stroke or a medical episode, that could be very serious. I, I, it, 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 you know what it sounds like? And Don, you might remember this better than I do, but remember we had that story a few years ago of the television reporter in Los Angeles? Remember she was like at an award show or something? Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. We played this. Mm-hmm. And what was it? Was it like an award? She was like at the Academy Awards or something, right? And she went to do a live shot. She was a young girl, and it was all garbled like that. It sounds just like that, didn't it? And I think she had. Uh, I think they determined that she had a small stroke. Yeah, during that she had time. like a mini stroke mm-hmm. during that. Report. And she's okay now, thank God. But uh, I wonder if that's what happened here. Uh, play it again. This is what it sounded like Friday night. The speaker, I'll move adoption. Mr. Campbell, send out a amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? The chair has done. The amendment is adopted. Mm. The chair recognizes Ms. Niave Criado to speak in opposition to the bill. Okay. 
Um, I was asking a friend of mine that that uh, used to cover the legislature, uh, doesn't anymore. And uh, as soon as I started asking about this story, he knew exactly what I was going to ask him about. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to name any names, but he said, oh, yeah, they they hit it hard up there, at night especially. He goes, I'm sure he was not the, if he was drunk, I'm sure he was not the only one. And I guess you could look at this as, well, that's dereliction of duty. How dare you? Or you could look at it as, well, hey, maybe they need to drink more. I mean, Ulysses Grant was hitting the bottle and, you know, turned the Civil War around for the Union. So, uh, 210-599-5555. I'm not making light of, of getting drunk, but, I mean, these people aren't doing such a hot job sober, so maybe it's worth looking into. I don't know. Uh, you wouldn't want him driving, but he's presiding over the House of Representatives. 210-599-5555. Uh, should he resign if he was drunk while presiding? What is your thought about that? J.R. poll question today. We were talking about, uh, obviously, the big political story today, Ron DeSantis getting into the presidential race. Uh, this is a... Uh, not a, a name most of us would have heard of before, but a guy named Hal Lambert is a major Republican, what they call mega donor. He supported Trump in 2016 and 2020. He created um, a pack called MAGA. He says now that he believes Donald Trump cannot win the 2024 general election. He looks at the states that are going to be swing states. He says, I don't think Trump is going to win those places like Nevada, Arizona. Virginia, Wisconsin, and if we don't win those, we don't win the, the whole thing. And so he has flipped his support uh, to DeSantis. Of course, there's going to be a lot of that, and there'll be people, Trump will be able to point to people that he's flipped and all that. This is all very, very early. Um, I would say that anyone that tells you, oh, it's over, or Trump's way ahead, is probably someone that wants it to be that way. And just ask yourself, why do they want it to be that way? So make up your own mind. Don't let the polls influence you or discourage you because I, I think there's an awful lot of psychological warfare going on, more than usual, with this one. Because if, if you're the left, Biden can really only win this thing by the Republicans somehow losing this thing. And so their quote-unquote analysis is always going to be not the outcome they most expect or the outcome that, that would be most logical for the Republicans, but they're always going to be kind of you know shilling and, and nudging for the outcome they think would be most favorable to the president. Just saying. 210-599-5555. I feel a little weird saying this. Because it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it is really becoming apparent. And I don't have a fully formed explanation for it. I know some people do. It is really becoming apparent that a staggering number of young Chinese men are coming across the southern border. In April alone, there were 3,200 of them. And um, 
you've heard Gordon Shang on our show before, an author and commentator. And he says, look, there, there are a lot of factors that would cause young people to flee China. They have no hope. They have a lot of issues. There's a lot of pessimism. Young people in China are, are very down on Chinese society and the Chinese regime. And, and it's not surprising to him that they would want to get out of there. But he also says, when you look at these numbers, it, it is not beyond the pale to wonder if something else is going on. And, and you can't generalize about all of them. But is it possible that buried in those numbers are people that are state actors? I'm not saying this out of any animus toward Chinese people. And I could completely understand wanting to get the hell out of that country. But again, this is an extraordinary number that the people in the know, people that have covered this for years and years, have never seen that many. Things have been bad in China for a long time. So it it does make you wonder. And um, it's not an argument for making some sort of specific rules. It's more of an argument for getting damn serious about the border itself. Whatever the reasons are, whatever the, the, the operating notion of this is, this is why any real sovereign country has to have control of its borders, has to be able to make strategic, uh, you know, centered decisions about who gets in and how they get in. And you can't have these getaways and we're releasing them into the country, but we're hoping they'll come for a hearing and all this other baloney that's really Banana Republic stuff. Uh, it, it, Whatever the explanation is, whatever you believe, this is another indication that um, we are setting ourselves up for uncertainty. We are opening ourselves up to all kinds of not good possibilities. And there's no excuse. We could, we, could, we could, with the snap of fingers, enforce the border of another country. If we put our mind to it, if we, if we said we're going to put troops in and we're going to come to the aid of some country that's in trouble that we see as an ally, we could do it. We're choosing not to do it on our own border. Say we lost Tina Turner today. She's she was 83 when she passed at her home in uh, Switzerland. She became a Swiss citizen in her uh, final years. Heard something incredible about her one time. You know, everybody knows she uh, and Ike Turner started out. She was really young, and uh, they got together personally as well as professionally. And um, he believed he made her. In retrospect, I think he might have been made by her because. Her uh, vocals really propelled him. He'd been around, and uh, he had his best run while she was with him. Uh, He's the one that gave her the name Tina Turner. And um, to give you an idea of his whole attitude toward this partnership, he wanted to give her a stage name, 
so that when she left him, which she knew, which he knew she would, he could just hire another girl and call her Tina Turner. It's a true story. So the idea was that Tina Turner was his like brand name, and she could use it as long as she was with him. When she left him, there was a big battle over whether she could still call herself Tina Turner. But can you imagine? Can you imagine thinking, "Oh yeah, well, if I lose this singer, I'll just get another one." You know, <laughs> there isn't another one. There's only one Tina Turner, or whatever you want to call her. We'll talk more about her coming up. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. The uh, NAACP has apparently um, really hit the panic button about Ron DeSantis. Uh, We told you this week that they have um, issued a travel advisory for Florida uh, warning non-white people to be aware of the dangers if they were to go to Florida. Now, Travel advisories used to be, and officially still are, things that the State Department puts out about foreign countries, like it would be dangerous for you to go here right now because they're having a civil war or revolution or a crime wave or what have you. Terrorism, right? Imagine for a minute that the the drama of declaring a travel advisory for a state. Like, what is the NAACP saying about black people in Florida? Uh, uh, Do they get, get like, a chance to clear out first? Or are they stuck there? Or are they... Do they not? Are they not smart enough to get out? Like, why are they there? There must be must be a lot of black people in Florida. It's the number one state for black-owned businesses. Wall Street Journal wrote an editorial entitled "The NAACP Has Expelled Florida from the Union." It's like we can't just say we disagree with the policy, or we have a different idea. We've lowered the bar on so many things. We've we've allowed words to become meaningless. And the irony of it all is that, remember the original complaint about Donald Trump as a presidential candidate and then as president was that he violated political norms, that he, he didn't know the rules of the road. He didn't observe the basic niceties. We, we couldn't have a guy like this because... You know, there's certain things that if we're gonna if we're gonna have you know two political parties and elections and debates and issues, we got to be able to have norms. And then if we're gonna have our constitution and our separation of powers, and we're gonna respect that, we got to have norms. And the people that said he was running roughshod over norms are now the people that are issuing travel advisories for Florida like it's a terrorist backwater. And by the way, other than the people that already don't like DeSantis, is anyone buying this claptrap? I mean, is anyone actually thinking, yeah, well, I was, we were going to take the kids to Disney World, but apparently it's a dangerous country. <laughs> it, it's, 
it's easy to ignore stuff like this. You just, you know, in your normal day to day, you probably heard it and like went one ear out the other. I, I just wanted you to, before you let it go out the other ear, just, just ponder for a minute that we keep hearing how polarizing Trump is. But it seems like the polarizing is more from people that don't like him than from him. And I'm not in favor of expelling any of our states from the Union. I know there are people that want to do the blue-red divorce and all that. I, I want to keep all our states. And um, I completely support people wanting to move out of a state that they don't like the politics of and moving to a place where they do. That's fine. Or taxes or job opportunities or whatever. I'm a guy that moved. I, I, I get that. But this is just kind of ridiculous. 210-599-5555. So, um, travel advisory for Florida. And I guess um, maybe the maybe uh, Biden will have the uh, Air Force do an airlift. Like we'll you know we'll start flying in the the C one thirties and you know evacuating the uh the people of color from Florida that would be quite a quite a visual i i say it jokingly but who knows maybe they'll maybe they'll do it um or maybe they won't because uh maybe they'll treat it like afghanistan and everybody'll just be stuck there World definitely lost a beautiful, beautiful person, a beautiful soul, beautiful voice, great role model. We'll talk more about Tina Turner coming up here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi live right now on San Antonio's News Talk radio station. So when, ever since I heard about this app that I'm about to tell you about, I have tried to explain it to friends of mine, and I've done such a terrible job that none of them, have liked the sound of it. And, and I just fell in love with this idea the minute I heard about it because it just seems terrible how much food gets wasted in this country and how unnecessary so much of that waste is. And so I, I found out about an app that is aimed at m- sort of matching people like you and me with restaurants that don't want to waste unsold, you know, food. It's called Too Good to Go. And we've got Allie Denberg, the head of strategy and planning for Too Good to Go on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. And Allie, I got to tell you, I'm trying, but I'm just not explaining it right, I guess. So I'm, I'm hoping you can you can help me out here, because when I talk to people about these um, these uh, surprise bags, as you guys call them, it it doesn't sound good to, to my friends. They're a little worried about it. So explain how this works. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks so much. Um, so yeah, food waste is, is a big problem. 40% of food in the U S is wasted, is wasted every year. Wow. So the too good to go app. Yeah. It's a, a huge number. Um, and the app connects businesses who have surplus food with consumers who can buy surprise bags at one third of the retail cost. So consumers can save on everything from baked goods to prepared foods and even grocery items, uh, with the app, which is free. Um, and 
that basically the surprise bag concept, which you mentioned, means that store local food businesses can take any food that they have left, you know, at the end of the day, which would have been purchased at full price just minutes ago, and it's perfectly safe to eat, and they can put it in a bag, and then consumers can go mm. pick that up, save the food from being wasted, and also save money while doing it. Now, the question I was getting from people was, why the surprise? Like, why can't I just go on the app and see that there's a chicken dinner waiting for me at such and such a restaurant? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I think the reality is with food waste, it's really unpredictable for businesses. If they could predict what they would have left every day, then they would mm. just order less and uh, know mm. exactly what to, to purchase, right? So they don't know exactly what they're going to have every day. It could be a little bit different. So that's why it's a surprise. Um, but if you know which store you're picking up from, you might have a sense of the type of food you might get. Um, and we also have descriptions in the app. So, for example, right. you know, if you go to uh, Tiff's Treats, which is one of our partners, uh, it's a cookie place and you're, you know, you're going to get cookies there. So it's, you can get some sort of sense of what you might be able to pick up. But uh, the, the surprise element is to ensure that we can save any food the business has. And we do see that a lot of people actually like the kind of mystery element, and it, it makes it kind of fun and novel as well. See, I guess I'm a lot more adventurous than my friends because I was like, if it's a place I like, <laughs> I, there's not, you know, no matter what's in there, I'm going to be happy with it. But they're like, well, I don't know if I, maybe I don't eat that, or I, you know, I'm like, hey, come on, it's five bucks, six bucks. I mean, how wrong can you go? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, I think personally, I use the app all the time to, to save food near me. And I find that sometimes I'll get things in the surprise bags that maybe I wouldn't have purchased at full price, but I actually can try new things from that, that store. And sometimes I'll then go back and, and want to buy it. I liked the, so I have the app. I have not yet bought a surprise bag. I'm going to, but one of the things I like is when you <laughs> download it and you install it uh, and you, of course, you you allow the app to see where you are. You can then set a mileage, uh, basically a mileage gauge. So if you want only restaurants within five miles or 10 miles or 20 miles, and then it will show you based on your mileage if there's any restaurant in that radius that has anything. If it doesn't, it says check back. And if it does, it tells you, um, you know, when to go. Now, when you, when you go to get one of these, do you, um, do you have to do it on the app first and then go to the restaurant or can you go to the restaurant and say, uh, Hey, Tiff's treats. I want to buy one of your surprise bags. Yeah. So you actually reserve a bag through the app in advance and then you go okay. in and pick it up at the designated slot. So it's usually around closing time. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that's exactly right with the mileage. And we actually just launched in the San Antonio area last week, which is, Super exciting. The reception has actually been, been really strong, which is great to see. Um, but hoping to add many more, more stores in the area, too, soon. So you go to the restaurants and you offer them the chance to participate on this, uh, in this, I should say. I'm just kind of curious. I don't know if, if you want to tell me this or not, but have any restaurants said, no, we, we don't want to do that? Or Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think there's a, a really strong kind of value proposition for many restaurants just because it gives them an opportunity to basically recoup revenue from their excess inventory, which would otherwise be worth nothing while yeah. you know, doing something good for the environment and reducing yeah. their, their waste and the, the associated emissions. So I think there, there's many reasons restaurants do want to join, but you know, for some, there might be different reasons why, you know, it's not a fit for them at the time. 
but it's definitely our goal for, you know, every food business to be able to, to participate so that they can get to, to zero waste. And I, I know you mentioned, and, I, and that's how I kind of look at it, right now I'm, I'm most interested in the places I already know, like Pasha or Tiff's Treats, but yeah. you could potentially get, this could eventually become something where people will, for just five or six bucks, try a restaurant they've never been to and say, hey, this is pretty good, I'm going to come back here and eat here sometime. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's something that's also really appealing to the restaurants is, you know, in this day and age with so much happening on delivery too, like we're a pickup app. So it brings foot traffic into the restaurant, which is great for, you know, supporting small local businesses as well. But yeah, I think it's a great way at a lower price point, you know, starting at as low as three ninety nine to be able to try a place you might not have otherwise checked out yet. Mm. Too good to go. Just install it on your phone and see what's happening with the restaurants in your area and make them as close or as far as you want to be. Allie Denberg from uh, Too Good to Go. Thanks for thanks for coming on and explaining this. I think I feel like now I can go back to my friends and take one more crack at it. And if if they don't want them, then I'll I'll eat their surprise bags for them, right? Exactly. Thanks so much, Jack. Thank you, Alec. Appreciate it. Uh, 5.45 on San Antonio's News Talk Station, 5.50 and 107.1 KTSA. I, I mean, I, I do know there, there are people that have, like, limitations and gluten and stuff. So I, I'm respectful of that. But, I mean, otherwise, otherwise, you know, it, it's surprise bag doesn't mean you're going to open it up and it'll be like a, a squirrel or something. I mean, it's the stuff that it's going to be something that that restaurant serves. So, you know, you can roll with that. I mean, if you go to somebody's house, you don't know what they'll offer you to eat. Um, you know, you try one of these out. I don't know. Give it a shot. We do waste a lot of food. And I, there was another company I used to subscribe to. I don't anymore. Um, but I liked them uh, called Imperfect Foods. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That's a different thing. I mean, it's the same idea. We don't want to waste food and we're going to kind of uh, give people one last chance. But Imperfect Foods, if you subscribe to them, uh, you go on the website and you can shop fruits, vegetables, packaged goods, dry goods, canned goods, all kinds of things, dairy, everything. But what what they have are like overages, like overstock from stores. And um, the produce, and this is where they get their name, a lot of the produce looks a little like misshapen or... It's not damaged or rotten or anything, but like apples with, you know, uh, scars on them or um, carrots that are kind of oddly shaped. And I guess stores, I didn't know this, but apparently stores kind of, you know, sort out the misfit fruits and vegetables like the Island of Misfit Toys, right? So anyway, I would I would go and get like a $20, $25 order once a week with Imperfect Foods. They deliver to your house, comes in a box, and it has... Uh, a chill pack in it if there's anything in there that needs to be kept cold. And yeah, I mean, 20 or $25 gets you a good sized box. I'd have produce and um, maybe buy a loaf of their bread or something like that. Just different things. Tried some things I hadn't had before. Didn't like some of them, liked others. But there's a, there's a lot of people out there trying to deal with this food waste thing. And I think that's a good thing.
That's one of my personal favorites. I do love that. Rest in peace, Tina Turner. 210-599-5555. We'll get you in here. Jack Riccardi on KTSA. Shakespeare wrote it in Hamlet. The lady doth protest too much, right? And it seems like when anyone in a particular community or industry is really insisting that you should trust them, that you should totally trust them, that you can absolutely, positively trust that's when you have to be really careful, right? The other day, the Secretary of Education in the Biden administration, Miguel Cardona, tweeted out, Teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. Teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. You know, there was a time when you wouldn't have said that because people simply did trust teachers. It's kind of a weird thing to say right now, isn't it? I mean, why must we trust them? Shouldn't we, shouldn't our trust be earned? Is our trust being earned? And I would ask teachers, um, are you actually in charge of your classroom and what you teach and what kids are learning and how they're learning it? Because I already know the answer, but it's a weird thing to say. I mean, you could say it about a lot of professions, I guess, but the truth is that people will decide if you're skilled and responsible and trustworthy. But there seems to be kind of a panic. You've got to trust it. So this is an interesting thing that's happening in North Carolina. I don't know if you've heard about this. They, they have a Republican majority in the legislature, and they have a Democratic governor. And the legislature has a veto-proof majority, meaning if he vetoes something they send him, they have enough votes to override the veto. So they passed a bill on school choice. The Republicans in the House and Senate did. And the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, doesn't like it. So he went on television and declared a state of emergency. Take a listen to this. I'm declaring this state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. If you care about public schools in North Carolina, it's time to take immediate action and tell them to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. North Carolina schools need rigorous science, reading, and math classes, not more politicians policing our children's curriculum with book bans, elimination of science courses, and more. Put together, these ideas spell disaster that requires emergency action. The North Carolina I know was built on support for public schools, and we can't let the legislature tear them down. I'm fighting back, and I need right. you to do it too. So you get the idea. Now imagine you're the governor of a state. I mean, governors are the front line when there is an emergency, when there is a hurricane, a flood, a, a tornado, a, a train derailment. I mean, go the governors are the ones we first expect to hear from, 
the governors are the ones with the with the means to uh, make the immediate response. North Carolina is a coastal state. It gets hurricanes. Imagine using the word I am de- the words I am declaring an emergency because you disagree with and got outvoted by your legislature. What a pile of crap. I mean, that is, that's lower than low. I mean, that is pathetic. You didn't need to know anything else about Roy Cooper to know this guy is a tool. I'm declaring a state of emergency. So when I heard this, I thought, well, what, what would he do? Like, usually when you declare a state of emergency, you then announce these broad, sweeping measures, like when we had the COVID emergency, I'm closing the state, I'm cl-. So I thought, is he, is he dissolving the legislature? Is he declaring martial law? Is he becoming the dictator? No, he's not doing anything. He's just emoting. He wants people to speak out. He wants people to rise up against the legislature. Well, the legislature was elected by these people, Governor. It might be that they're doing what people want them to do. I'm not even going to get into the lies he's telling about school choice, that it will destroy education, that science won't get taught, that books will be banned. That's all, that's all just scare talk and fear porn, and it, it's, it's getting old. The ultimate irony of uh, Mr. State of Emergency is he gave this whole long speech of impassioned defense of the public schools in North Carolina. It's not the state I know. He sends his kids to private school. So apparently that uh, Twitter Spaces DeSantis event was kind of a train wreck. I mean, it already happened. Yeah. But they're saying uh, multiple glitches. Some people could see it but couldn't hear it. Some people said it kept crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, of course, not a good way to start a presidential. <laughs> right. Not a great way to kick off your presidential. But now, is this because, do we think this is because uh, more people tried to use the platform than they were anticipating? Like there was more interest or whatever, a spike? Do we think this had anything to do with this Chinese cyber attack that's been in the news today? you get got to wonder, right? Yeah, I, I, I did read something about that because I didn't get a chance to watch it because obviously I'm on the air right. exactly when either. that's happening. Uh, so in just looking at it, there is some speculation that there were so many users on it, but I can't say that for sure. I wasn't there. Yeah. It's not my show, Jack. I mean, if you're the DeSantis people, that's how you'd want to spin it. Well, we, we broke Twitter. You know, we're yeah. so, this is so, this <laughs> right. is so exciting yeah. that we broke Twitter. Um, but, of course, the Trump people are having a field day with this already. Like, this is it. You know, you can just tell. Well, uh, it's like, but if you did it the old-fashioned way, if you had, like, a rally somewhere, this would be like if the mics didn't work or the sound system yeah. glitched or, you know, yep. basically. So. I think the point's the same, whatever. You're in it anyway. Yep. All right. Uh, 210, have a good night, sir. 210-599-5555. We've been talking about uh, DeSantis and Trump. And my operating theory on this, whatever it's worth, remember you're not paying for this, it's free, is that I, I think the media narrative is that Trump people, Trump supporters hate Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis supporters hate Trump. I'm sure there are people like that. But everyone I talk to, I mean, just about everyone, on the air, off the air, if 
if they like if they're conservative and they they liked Trump's presidency, uh, they're good with DeSantis. They may prefer Trump to have another term, but they're not anti-DeSantis. And a lot of the DeSantis people are are people that voted for Trump. I mean, I I think that's I think that's an attempt to divide a group of people that actually are a lot of the same people have a lot of overlap. And that's not to say that they're interchangeable, because I don't think they are, and you don't think they are, but just that um, I, I really don't think there's people who, if oh, well, if it isn't Trump, I'm staying home, or if it isn't DeSantis, I'm staying home. I, I, I think when we get down to brass tacks ne- next year, um, you will find that there will be a lot of, I am willing to vote for whoever is the end of this nightmare uh, of Biden Harris, just get me out of here. Pull the pull the pull the string. Pull the cord. We want out of here. And whether that's Trump, whether that's DeSantis, whether it's somebody else. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We haven't talked a lot about the debt ceiling debate. Obviously, that's the debt ceiling negotiations are uh, going on. I told you the other day. There's a lot of scare tactics and fear-mongering about this. It's not the sky is falling. It's not the end of the world. One thing that is interesting, though, for whatever it's worth, whatever you think of polling, all the polling on this indicates that the position the Republicans have taken is pretty much what most people want. They want uh, spending cuts, not raise it no matter what, not, um, you know, they're not believing the narrative that Republicans are trying to kill Social Security or stuff like that. Um, if Republicans can just stick to their guns on this issue, um, they are they are in the right uh, sort of, you know, shank of it. And this is where, before Trump, Republicans would go wrong because they would read the editorial pages and listen to the commentators of outfits that hate them, and then get shaky. And I think they're figuring out, and I, I do give a lot of credit to Trump on this, not the only one, but I give him a lot of credit on this. I think Republicans are starting to figure out that when they get advice from the New York Times, or they get counsel from Morning Joe, that's not coming from people who have their best interests at heart. Just saying. So we talked about the uh, professor at Hunter College, Shalene Rodriguez, who uh, wrecked a pro-life information table in the uh, student union building. This was, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Somebody has said uh, the credo of the American left is speech I don't like is violence. Violence I like is speech. So Shalene Rodriguez had, had... messed up this table and and yelled and screamed at these pro-life students. This is what it sounded like. You're not educating This is propaganda. What are you going to do, like anti-trans next? Is that what you're going to do next? I mean, no, we're we're talking about abortion. This is bullshit. This is violent. You're triggering my students. I'm sorry about that. No, you're not. Because you can't even have a baby. So you don't even know what that is. You don't even know what this is. Get this out of here. Um, and then video came out of her, um, a reporter had come to her place to talk to her, and he held, she, she, I don't mean to laugh, she held a machete to his neck. 
I mean, I've heard of, you know, no soliciting signs, but listen to this. Away from my door. Get the away from my door. Let's, let's get out of here. You can't do that. Um, the news today is that uh, Hunter College has fired uh, adjunct professor Shaleen Rodriguez. Um, I, I have to wonder, was it the machete? Like, was, were they okay with her hassling students and, you know, the profanity-laced tirade and sweeping their literature onto the floor? And that, that I guess, was okay. The machete was too much. It was a machete too far, as the saying goes. I, th- there, is, there is a lot of truth to that saying, speech I don't like is violence, violence I like is speech. It's become very commonplace, like you'll hear the squad members say this a lot, if such and such a bill doesn't pass, or if Biden doesn't do this, that, or the other, there'll be violence in the streets. Very, like a very routine thing to say now. And they don't say it with like chagrin or, you know, oh my gosh, let's not have any violence in the streets. They say it like that's our next step. Like, if we can't get it this way and we can't get it that way, then, we, you know, there'll be violence in the streets. Now, maybe you interpret it differently, but that's what it sounds like to me, and I think that's what it will sound like to a lot of people. And I think it's okay as long as people keep hearing this. I, I have faith in the American people. I, I, I do believe that at some point, and it's, it's already happening, people are just going to get sick and tired of this. You know, you don't have to make somebody a Republican. Somebody doesn't have to stand up and declare, I'm now a conservative. They don't have to turn on talk radio. They don't have to. It, it, there, are, there are plenty of people in this country in places like the Midwest and even the Northeast who are Democratic voters. That's what they do. That's um, where they're comfortable. That's probably what they're they've done and their family has done for a long time, but they are not good with sexually mutilating children. They are not good with teaching racism in school. They are not good with reparations. They are not good with um, the, the, more, the more sort of obnoxious, uh, radical, hate Western civilization agenda. And so when they hear this kind of thing, when they see this kind of thing, Trust me when I tell you, because I'm from that part of the country. Trust me when I tell you. They're not good with it. They're not going to vote for it. They're not going to side with it. It will take a while, and it won't be a, it won't be a complete political realignment. They're not going to join the other party. But I believe in places like Illinois and, and uh, you know, Michigan and Mis- uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota and even parts of New England. It's one thing to be a Democrat. It's another thing to sign up for all this. And it will be very subtle, and it will play out over time. But I, I, talk, to, I talk to people I know up there. They're, they're not okay with this stuff. And they never have been. And you got to keep the faith about that. You won't hear this anywhere else. No one else will tell you what I'm telling you. The, the narrative on cable will be that we're divided and we're polarized and we can't see eye to eye and we're 100 million miles apart. 
Really not true. It's true for the people they put on their channels. It's good television. And it might even be good radio. I know there's people in radio that do this stuff too. It's really not true. Just just putting that out there. 210-599-5555. All right, so John Stossel, do you remember him? Used to be on ABC News, and I think he worked for Fox for a while. And he, he is a... Uh, columnist now. He's a very libertarian guy. I think he writes for Reason, too, sometimes. John Stossel did a lengthy interview with Ron DeSantis. And I was curious, because he's an independent guy, uh, Stossel. He doesn't, he doesn't line up with the political parties or put labels on himself. If, if I was to call him anything, I might call him kind of libertarian. I'll tell you what he thought of DeSantis. It's very interesting. It's probably true that people my age heard this version before they heard the Al Green version. Pretty damn good cover by Tina Turner. We've been playing her music throughout the show today and remembering her incredible life. Uh, We lost her today at 83. She was uh, suffering from a long illness and died peacefully at home in uh, or near Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, And um, her... uh, Publicity uh, people uh, announced this, put out a statement uh, singing her praises and talking about her achievements. And um, I I think it's one thing when people like this pass to kind of tote up the number of Grammy Awards and the number of albums sold and all that. But I, I think that matters more when it's somebody you don't know and when it's somebody you've just loved and whose music you've just loved um you don't need any statistics you just feel it you appreciate them you know what's you know what they were and you know what we've lost and that's how i feel and i know a lot of you feel about tina turner we'll hear more from her coming up 210-599-5555 this is a little bit of uh, the twitter spaces desantis announcement that went so wrong today on twitter you know with with, with that i i guess i should turn it over to, um, Voice of Elon yeah. Musk. Well, let's see. So, yeah, Governor, there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of months about your your plans. Um, I understand that you may have an announcement to make. Uh, we've got, I think, a, a record audience assembled here. Uh, you know, the, probably the biggest uh, room that's probably ever been assembled online. Uh, what, what would you like to tell them? Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, mm. we know. Our anyway, that's how it sounded. Out. He's uh, also got TV ads and uh, an announcement video, and he's in the race officially now. Everybody knew he would be. Uh, so John Stossel did an interview with him and wrote an article about it. And uh, I-, I found this very interesting. Let me just share the high points. They talked about the COVID period and why DeSantis made the choices and the decisions he made and that he didn't worry about the daily news cycle. He tried to do what was right and that that worked well for Floridians. 
And then he talked to, to DeSantis about banning mask mandates. Banning mask mandates. And asked him, well, didn't that limit choice because businesses couldn't require their customers to wear masks? And Stossel asks him, if it's my business and I'm scared of COVID, why can't I mandate masks in my business? To which DeSantis replies, you do have freedom to choose, but so do individuals. To which Stossel replies, but people who own businesses are also individuals. And then they talked about school choice. And again, it was sort of the same thing. Uh, DeSantis's position on these issues is, we reject fear, and we look at the things, we look at evidence-based solutions. So we took an evidence-based approach to COVID. We took an evidence-based approach to school choice. But Stossel's pushback was, why were you insisting that it was one-size-fits-all rather than letting there be local decision-making? And he went down through these different uh, issues. Uh, and DeSantis definitely is able to articulate his position, his policies and why he arrived at them. Like, you'll hear a lot of politicians that, that have trouble explaining the, the position they took or the policy they uncorked because it never really came from them. And I think we can think of one current president in particular as a very hard time because these are not his policies. And DeSantis seems to be the opposite of that. He seems to be somebody who uh, is governing from his gut. But in the end, Stossel says, we talked about all these things. We talked about a variety of issues. He says, I don't think his staff liked my questions. They cut our interview short. He wrote, I like some things DeSantis says and does, I worry that he's an authoritarian. In any case, he's definitely smarter and better than both Trump and Biden, says John Stossel. And the authoritarian word is an interesting word because we usually apply it only to people we don't like, right? It's, it's stuff we don't like. It's orders we don't want to comply with. Or... But there, there is some, I guess, I guess there's some comfort level with authoritarian, right? Like when I, when I hear that word, I could see it being a negative and I can see it being a positive. The negative needs no explanation. The positive is, well, I, I want someone who is firm and when he knows he's right, bulls ahead. If you were to reject authoritarianism completely, you would say, well, I want someone to always find consensus. I want someone who will not uh, force any issues or push anything. Uh, and I don't see how that works, to be honest with you. I think of all of our most effective presidents, both parties throughout history, you know what? There was some authoritarian in all of them. So there is such a thing as too much of it, I don't think there's any such thing as none of it.
Coming up, we'll see how you voted on the uh, JR poll. Should the Texas Speaker of the House resign if he was drunk while presiding? I'm not sure I'm convinced about that because the way politics are these days, we may need like the Ulysses Grant rule. You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe we need, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. Maybe they need a little more, um, you know, liquid courage or whatever. Remember, the, there's, a, there's an, a, a story, which may or may not be true, that when Lincoln was told that Grant drank a lot, uh, supposedly he said something along the lines of, we'll find out what he's drinking and get it for all my generals. Just you know, Not suggesting that they're all Ulysses Grant, but you know, it worked for him. So on the uh, Jack Chat line, we let uh, people call in and, and leave their uh, first name, their city or town, and their comment. And this is for anybody, whether you're listening to the live show or you're listening to the podcast. This gets you in on the conversation when you're not able to call in live. So let's see what we have waiting for us on the Jack Chat. Jack, this is Adele, and I live in San Antonio, and I'm listening to your program today, Friday, uh, to about the uh, getting an early diagnosis of Alzheimer's. The one thing I'm thinking that it would be a good idea to know is that if um, it is a genetic thing um, and say the person, it might be a young girl who's in her 20s, um, she would probably not want to have children, possibly um, because of the genetic aspect of passing that on. I know someone myself, who she passed away in her mid-40s, developed Alzheimer's in her late 30s, and determined that she did have this rare uh, genetic predisposition. And before she was diagnosed, she had three daughters. And um, whether they carry that gene and whether they want to have children is a difficult decision. But I'm with you. I don't think I would want to know. Thank you. Thank you, Adele. That was very thoughtful. Um, yeah, we had a very big response, a lot of response, Friday and over the weekend. The, the, story, the original story was a lady, uh, a young woman, I think in her mid to late 20s. I forget what state. She did a test, and it came back that she was 99% likely to come uh, to to have early onset dementia, which would mean an early onset would mean like in her forties, and uh, so we were asking the question: Would you want to know, or would you rather just live your best life and be as healthy as you can be? And obviously, you can know you are genetically predisposed to something. You can know that you have a high percentage likelihood of getting it. It's not certain. And the variable, and this is what Adele made me think about, the thing they can't tell you when they give you those test results is what will happen in medical research. So for all we know, five minutes from now, there'll be a breakthrough on that particular form of dementia or whatever the genetic disposition you are found to have. I, I would disagree with saying 
okay, I'm young and I'm starting a family. I was going to start a family, but now I'm not going to because I took this genetic test. I, I, I have to be honest. I'm not in that situation. I've already had my family, but I, I would not do that. I, I hope people will not do that. That would make me sad that, that somebody that wanted to be a mom or dad would go, oh, I'm not going to do it. I took a test. Um, if that's how we use this technology, we may be in some serious trouble. That's just my thought. Let's see what's next on the Jack Chat. Hey, Jack. I am optimistic about the Republicans in 2024 simply because DeSantis and now Scott are going to have to separate themselves from Trump in order to win. Um, And I make that distinction because both of them seem to have Trump-like approaches to federal government. Um, And when I think back to the 2022 midterms, it seems like the Republicans only had two strategies. One, I'm a Trump Republican, vote for me, or I'm not a Trump Republican, vote for me. And that was it. Nobody mentioned any of the successes that occurred during Trump's presidency that Congress, and many of them, had a great deal to do with. And so I'm hopeful that his personality Mm. will not be on the ballot, which is where the Republicans put it in 2022. Mm. Uh, And I'm thinking that with DeSantis and with Scott, um, it will not be during the primaries and then during the general election. Thanks, Jack. All right. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting thought. We were talking earlier about this notion that... um, the Republican Party is is composed entirely of people, it, almost like um, almost like it's 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 sects of a religion. You know, I, I really don't think most people, and certainly I can tell you with confidence, ninety nine plus percent of the people I know and speak with, off the air, on the air, um, are much more about the ideas than the carrier. They may think candidate A would be better at this than candidate B or vice versa, but I I don't find that artificial all-in for Trump, the hell with the rest of them, or anybody but Trump thinking. I don't find that very much. I don't think that's as prevalent as they would have you believe. Just a thought. Uh, Another one on the Jack chat line. Good evening, Jack. This is Charlie Herriega. I'm from Candelia, Texas. Uh, well, myself, I'm 30 years old, and I just like to weigh in because I've personally listened to AM uh, exclusively outside of my CD player. Um, the reason being is because I personally like the way it sounds, and I agree with the gentleman that you spoke with that you had on the show, your guest, that uh, Ford had just made a uh, a wrong decision there uh, based on statistics and what they had, what data they had in front of them for taking the AM out as it's outdated now. Um, I guess they would probably just, I'm just going to say this, I think they're like 30 years ahead of their decision because of folks like Joe Rogan and then uh, all the other podcasts out there. That, like uh, your guest was saying, uh, the mediums are going to switch over and um, folks like myself and folks older than me and whatever else are going to fade out, and I see that happening um, but it's just going to take more time for us to get older, I guess, before they fade it out entirely <laughs> and before the media switch over. Nah, that's my two cents. But thank you, Jack. Amazing show, and glad to be a listener. 
Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Um, you can hit the Jack Chat line anytime during the show, after the show, uh, when you're listening to a podcast and something occurs to you. 210-599-5550. 210-599-5550. Please leave your first name, your city or town, and your uh, comment. We've had to discard some pretty good comments because there was no name on them. So make sure you, know, you do that, and it prompts you to do that when you call the number. When I was listening to that particular voicemail, the one thing that stood out to me, I don't know if, if you caught this or not, was his age. He said he was 30 years old, and I'm thinking, are there many 30-year-old persons listening to AM radio in this day and time? Uh, no, there are not, but we have all of them. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know gonna, what? I, just it was an interesting out. comment because... I, I, you're right. I mean, that's pretty rare, actually. In fact, it, ch- chances are, if you're under a certain age, even just sort of using radios is not something you're used to doing because you you just you just get your audio, whatever it is, spoken words, sports, music, th- through other sources and other places. So that, that that was that was unusual in a number of ways. But I, the the conversation we had with Mike Harrison yesterday, which I loved, was about the fact that. What really matters to people is what's in their ear. And if it's relevant, and if it's friendly, and if it's um, uplifting, and it's nourishing to the mind or nourishing to the soul, I don't think people are all that hung up on how they get it. As much as, like, I, I really don't think people walk around saying, I'm a radio listener, I'm an FM listener, I'm an AM listener, I'm a... I, people will sometimes mention the platform they use, or you can ask them and they'll tell you, but most of the time people are reacting to the content. And I think if you get the content right, um, you can be in a lot of places and you can, and, and people will find you. And I, I'm, I'm evidence of that. I'm proof of that. Um, I've, I've been all over the schedule on this radio station, but I think there are people that found they liked this and they've followed it whether it was nights, middays, mornings, uh, afternoons, and, and I, not just me, but, I mean, that's just one example. Uh, it's what you do, not where you do it and how you do it. On the JR poll, should the Speaker of the Texas House resign if he was drunk while presiding Friday night? The Attorney General says yes, and so do you. 71% say yes, 29% say no on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. We'll have a new poll question tomorrow at 4 or find it anytime at KTSA.com. One night in 1981... Tina Turner was pretty much a nostalgia act at this point. She was performing at a club in New York City. Rod Stewart went to that club and was just blown away uh, by how good she sounded and looked and uh, invited her to come on Saturday Night Live with him. He was guest hosting, or the musical guest on Saturday Night Live uh, and do the song Hot Legs, his big hit Hot Legs. And that led to the Rolling Stones 
inviting her to open up on their 81-82 American tour. That led to some other covers. She covered Ball of Confusion by The Temptations. We talked about some of the other covers that she did. But she was still basically booking into small clubs and venues and singing her old hits. And people were, oh, I remember her, or oh, I wondered what happened to her. And then she did this um, cover of another hit, Al Green's Let's Stay Together. And it went up the European charts. It was a modest hit in this country, but it was a top five, top ten hit in many uh, European countries. And that's what led Capitol Records to say, well, we're going to try you out on a solo album, but you've got to... We've got a very tight window. She had only 10 days to pick the songs and the um, musicians for what would become the album Private Dancer. That was the one that changed everything. Uh, Multiple platinum, big hits, mainstream top 40 radio, magazine covers, records being set and shattered. And I love a good comeback story. There's something about... Singers like Dusty Springfield and and you know Ronnie Spector and people like that. And Tina Turner has the, the 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 biggest one of all. We're gonna leave you tonight with one of her uh, really cool songs. This is a duet with Tina Turner and David Bowie, as we remember Tina Turner tonight. 